The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. Well, let's start somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast. This episode number 71, recorded November 5th, 2020. My name is Joe Becker. I'm one half of the team. With me, as always, is my friend. Michael Diaz. That's it. Hey, Michael. <laughs> How are you? How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a stressful week. It's been intense. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. To say the least, right? Yeah. I know I said this happen? to you. Well, yeah, I know I said this already before we started recording, but it feels like last week, Friday, was about five years ago. So I know. I completely, I like, seriously, we were getting ready for this episode, and I'm like, well, we got the book club, but I didn't watch Star Trek yet. What are we going to talk about? Never, you know, <sighs> completely forgetting that The Mandalorian came out last Friday, and I watched it and enjoyed it, which we'll get to. We'll get to it. I mean, the whole internet has talked about Mandalorian at nauseum. A lot of podcasts have, and that's okay. Um, we're going to talk about it too. I, I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to do it as like a review. It's really, because we don't really do reviews. We kind of do discussions, you know? I don't, yeah, we're, we're conversation. It's not that kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't want, it's not like, oh, four out of five and that kind of, it's not, you know, so it's not really a review. We'll talk about it. Um, there's a lot to talk about. We have Dune to talk about. And, um, you know, why don't we just jump right into some of the news bits yesterday in the midst of the election, um, and all the craziness that's happening there, Star Wars decided to put out a preview of its holiday special. Now, everybody knows that, uh, the first holiday special didn't go so well for uh, George (laughs) Lucas, (laughs) things like that. Um, it's so bad. It's good though. Like, I mean, it's not good. It, no, no, it's not it's even terrible. that. It's It's not, there's nothing, there's nothing redeeming. Other than, well, no, wait. the only redeeming thing of the holiday special is, and it's not very good animation, but you see Boba Fett for the first time. So, right. um, it was before Empire, obviously. But, uh, anyways, the Lego preview, did you get a chance to watch it? You know what? I, I, I haven't. I saw that it was out today. Or it maybe came out yesterday, but I today is when I saw that it was out. I saw the teaser last week, mm-hmm. you know, of just the Lego hand that said it was just the hand, like obviously like Luke's cut off hand, right? You know, it said you know Lego Star Wars holiday special or something. I was like, what? What are they doing? Yeah. So the- I haven't actually watched it yet, Joe. Okay, well you have to see it. It's uh, kind of a journey through time. It's going to be interesting. Uh, kind of Ray finds a way to go back in time and all the characters are there and it's very irre- irreverent and very Lego. Um, now this will not be Canon. This, this takes place. It starts after rise of Skywalker and you know, um, I would say everybody go watch the preview. It looks funny. Like there's two Han solos. It's kind of interesting. Um, old one and young one and they kind of see Greedo and <laughs> so, um, it, it's it's Lego. It's it's basically Lego the way they they do their thing, their humor. Um, 
But yeah, it could be fun. You know, I wouldn't take it as a, a canon thing. It's just a, a one-off special. Now, so. like I said, I haven't seen the preview yet. But did they get the actual voice actors? A lot of them. I don't have the list. Um, well, I should. I didn't look up a list. Um, but I did hear like Billy D. Williams is there. Um, the guy, whoever did Harrison Ford, sounded like Harrison Ford. Whoever it was. Um, but I don't know. What the Emperor sounds like? Like um, not like uh, Ian McDermott. It, he sounds more like Mark Hamill, which obviously Mark has done a lot of. Uh, voiceover work so um you know i'm typing it in now i'm looking to see if if there is a list like is daisy ridley back is john boyega back anthony daniels i'm just curious i mean if I it's, not, anthony, it's not that big a deal i think um here i found a thing for cast lego holiday special imdb i'm gonna look that up live on so the here we go full cast and crew all right, Kelly Marie Tran, Rose Tico, Matt Lanter, Anakin Skywalker, you'll know him from The Clone Wars, Billy D. Williams, D. Bradley Cooper, um, Tom Kane is Yoda and Qui-Gon, James Arnold, Table, James Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan, Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, and that's pretty much all they have in there, so I don't see anybody else. Um, so kind of a mix of the animated voice actors and a couple yeah. of live action. Yeah, and James Arnold Taylor. James Arnold Taylor is a fantastic Kenobi. Like that is the voice I hear now. It's kind of funny after watching Clone Wars, um, of of Obi Wan in my head. So it looks awesome. Looks fun. It's gonna be fun and stupid. Like don't turn it into like it's not canon and you can't go back in time and stuff. So kind of like Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Except you know, not a bunch of yelling, and it's not oh, irreverent. I like guarantee that. you, there's going to be yelling. If this is like this, the Lego Movie, there's going to be all kinds of yelling. But you're it's not okay with it this time. Um, I don't. I think the humor is different. I do, <laughs> but I don't know. This could be horrible, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's going to be think, perfect. I think they're going to go for the camp. I think they're going to kind of embrace being horrible and stupid to be funny. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's a riff on the original holiday special. Of course, they're gonna. There's this is gonna be very tongue in cheek and very cheesy. It's very tongue in cheek and cheesy for sure, for sure. Um, but Lego has its own thing, right? It, it's not like Rick and Morty. They're 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 no, smart. I give you, which is funny because it looks, but. Is it Lord? Is it Lord and whoever? Not Lord and Taylor. Lord and uh, it's not Lord and Miller. Uh, they, I'm sure they don't want anything to do with Star Wars. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Then yeah, they would not come back for this. No, um, but it does feel that way. But that's all Lego. I mean, that's that's you know, start, there's there's a Lego series of Star Wars animation series that I don't I don't I've never watched it. Oh, there is. Um, I know the games. I didn't realize there was a. Oh yeah, there's 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 a, there's a series a couple yeah. Yep, yep. You can find them on uh, Disney Plus there, my friend. Hard pass. They're all there. They're all there. Well, it didn't cost you anything. So, if you're oh, bored. Right. I, mean, I'm, I think I'm actually paying for Disney Plus oh, at the end of the month. Oh. At the end of the month, I'll be able to. Well, Mandalorian's out. You might as well watch it now. Yeah, I'll keep it. But maybe I need to end my subscription come December. Nah, not me. 
Okay, let's move on because we got lots to talk about. Um, I did see on Screen Rant, which I'll give them credit because that's where I saw it, is that uh, Marvel's Loki show was reportedly renewed for season two. And they have, haven't even finished shooting season one uh, due to COVID. So um, I think, though, of course, there's going to be a season two. I think that, listen, Star Wars is already hedging its bet towards the streaming world. And I think the MCU is like, let's get this stuff because we have no idea, no idea when when people are going to go back to to the theater. Certainly, if you look at today's COVID numbers, that shit ain't happening for a while. Right. Right. So, so at least for me, uh, at least for me, and I should say um, again, my my middle son has now been uh, tested positive for COVID. So. Yeah, my youngest got over it. Sam's over it. Now Nick, hey Nick, if you're listening, I know you do sometimes. Um, thinking about you. So uh, there you go. Speaking of COVID. East Siders, man. <laughs> <laughs> my question, though, is... Uh, actually, I don't have a question. More Loki okay. is always a good thing. I don't know why I said I had a question. I'm just... I'm an idiot. But more Loki is always a good thing. I mean, let's face it he was one of the best things out of all three of the Thor movies. Oh, for sure. It's, it's because he's, he's a probably one of the most different type of villains. Cause you really root for him. Like you just do. I don't know why, but you do, you don't root for, um, Thanos, you know, but for something you want, you, you're rooting for Loki to do the, you're rooting for Loki to do the right thing is what and it is. Sometimes he does. Right. Right. I, I mean, I think I like Loki so much because he's not necessarily evil. I mean, let's face it. People died because of him, so that's not good. Um, I mean, if you think about it, in the first Avengers film, how many hundreds or thousands of New Yorkers died because of him? Probably a oh, lot. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> not good. that's not good. Right. But he dies trying to take out Thanos. I mean, he that was a good thing. Right. So does that completely redeem him? I don't know. All I know is that whenever he's on the screen and him and Thor together, they're hilarious, most especially in uh, Ragnarok. Right. But I know a lot of people shit on Thor Dark World, and I, I realize I'm not an apologist for it, but I, I enjoyed it. I admit that I realize it's one of the worst. And I think even rank it as one of the worst, but I still like it. That said, the 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 scenes that really do work in that film, if you know, if nothing else, the Thor and Loki scenes are fantastic. Yeah. So you know, I'm it, it wasn't that bad. I, I didn't mind it. I, I had fun with it. I, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered other people. It's just a story, but that could be a whole episode. So we're. We've got a lot. I want to make sure we give our, our time uh, for the two big um, topics because there's it's chunky for both of them. Um, in other Star Wars news, um, there's been there was an interview with Ron Howard. Um, I don't know where it was. It was for some um, other project that he's working on. But in, inevitably, somebody always asks him the uh, Solo 2 thing. And he's like, listen, um, it's a possibility. He... He, he thinks a lot of people want to see it and there's always room and he was he was really open for it because I think there's I think a lot of people his quote was something around I think a lot of people would like to see the gangster world and I think there's room for that and I think you know it could happen 
but there, he said, there's nothing in the works. No one's talking about it. He just thinks it could happen. But you know, when he says stuff like that, I think there's stuff in the works. <laughs> Otherwise, even though he says there's know, nothing in the works. Yeah. I, you know, it, I just think it's one of those, either he's doing it to prompt people so that he can get something in the works. Um, or Disney's saying, just say it because we we got it in the works. We got to get it out there. You know, there's there's marketing to the stuff that is bigger beyond you know is beyond you and me. So I get it. That's I mean, just my take. You could be right. He could be trying to stoke the fires to get something mm-hmm. to happen. Um, sometimes it works. Look at what Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, and Tim Miller did. They filmed right. that short, which I don't know if you ever saw it. I did. It was a fantastic. Now. That scene basically is incorporated into the movie, better shot right. with better special effects, but it's basically that same scene. And they made that. They had no permission from 20th Century Fox to do that. They ba- It was one of those situations where it was, let's do it and ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Right. And it was so good and stoked people so much that they got the Deadpool film greenlit and made so sometimes you know you can you can kind of goose the public for some interest and see if there's enough there for you know the you know for a company like disney or 20th century Fox, right. which is now part of disney to say yeah let's go for it so i think well, you no brought telling. it up well you brought it up before that there was some rumor or talk of possibly bringing solo back as potentially a series on Disney Plus. Like, yeah, I think that's the way that that's the way to do it. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, I wouldn't be against a film, though. Not at all. I don't even mind if it's a film for Disney Plus. I don't mind if it's a series film. either. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd go see it, but sure. But the pressure, the pressure of movies is going to be strange this year. I don't, you know, listen. Uh, I think Tenet's going to be released in December now, and you know, who knows with James Bond. Uh, any of these things. I mean, look, it's not getting better, right? Um, they're not going to put Wonder Woman and that stuff out in this. Well, they, you it, know it, what? They actually kind of floated James Bond out there. They said, how much will you give us to put it out there? And I guess they were talking around 600 million is what they wanted and they didn't get it. Yeah, which is probably break even. Possibly. So, right. So they're trying, right? I think what these film companies are trying to do now is figure out how can we pay our investors in this film? You know, because each film is a business and you have investors and they got to make their money, you know, they do it to make their money back. Obviously double their money is what you'd, what you'd want, right? So I don't know what the budget was for James Bond. I would assume it's three, 400, 300, 300 to $400 million range. When should you uh-huh. Probably. Right. So yeah. if they can sell it for six hundred million, huzzah! They're done. They don't have to worry about box office. It's it's a it's a compromise. It could have made a billion. Who knows? But it, you know, um, I I think that you know if DC was smart, I think that's what you do with Wonder Woman now. Like, see if you can put it on your your. Uh, you want to boost some people on on HBO Max? Put it on there now. I could see that for HBO Max, but again, I think I brought this up before. Um, if you, if you relegate Wonder Woman to streaming only, 
then you open up the argument, well, wait, you wouldn't do this with any other superhero. You wouldn't do this with a man superhero. You know what I mean? Maybe, but I, w- I would say the same thing for um, um, Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. Do it. I we just want to see it. You're going to run out of time. I want to see it too. I want to see them both. Uh, I would, I mean, I would like to wait and see it on the big screen, but you know, tangent here. Uh, I don't know, you know, obviously where all our listeners live, but locally here, they've been offering, you can rent an entire theater. Right. Um, Celebration is a local chain here. Um, They're offering us $300 for 15 people in concessions included. So twenty bucks a oh, pop. That's, a, that's not, not bad. Terrible. That's worth it. That's worth it. Do you have Do you have to fill it? No, fifteen people. That's it. Oh, so you get the whole theater. Fifteen people. If you want more, oh, they only allow fifteen people in there too because yeah. of the groups of. Right. So you and fourteen of your friends are basically uh, seven be, five I'm, couples. I'm going to be honest, dude. I haven't been around fourteen people in. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, you March. could space them all out. I mean, it's. You I could totally space them all. I could probably maybe do it. The only problem is, what what movie would I want to see? Right. Well, it has to be one of those, right? It have to be like. Well, thing, Black Order. I mean, right. I I personally would be interested in doing it for Tenant only because I'm a big fan of uh, Nolan. Right. But could you find fourteen other people? I think. Um, AMC was offering the same thing. I don't remember their price, but I think they had some super low prices, but you'd have to do it in the morning and stuff. But you Mm. can rent your own theater. I mean, they're getting desperate. I understand why. Yeah, they they could all be gone. Right. So that's the thing. The the industry or the the studios aren't going to make enough money if they release Wonder Woman that way. As much as I would love to rent out a theater and watch Wonder Woman with 14 of my friends paying 20 bucks a head. I would totally do that. But that was not here, here's, here's, here's a oh boy. We're really on a tangent here, but here's what they could do. Really, really interesting. You, this is so easy to do technology wise. You can stream a live stream, right? Everybody like an event, like you're watching, you know, uh, a boxing match or something that you pay to watch live. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, a live stream and get to watch it with the stars, and it's twenty dollars. And then like, I would do the Stars that. do a Q and A afterward or something. Yeah, yeah. Just talk about the movie and have a little uh, event, and they can do it from their house. They're doing it now. It's not like they would put them out. They're at, that's two and a half hours of their time. Ooh, you know, or three hours, and they're, they're promoting it and they're getting their money back. And I think people would would watch that and do that for twenty bucks. It's interesting, and I think there's some value in that. But I th- I think what we saw with Disney uh, releasing Mulan for thirty bucks, they didn't get enough ROI. So I think that kind of killed that idea. Yeah, but they they thought about it wrong. A thirty bucks is too much when you're already paying for the monthly service. Right. I don't think they should have even touched it with Disney Plus. Like, don't even put it in there. You do a separate thing, Disney Live or Disney Disney Theater something dot com that you pay to watch it and it has nothing to do with Disney Plus. Um, and you just package these things different. You got to you got to think of new experiences. Yeah, um, you know. I hear what you're saying, but it, 
the difficulty is that everyone and, already and, has the Disney Plus app. Yeah, so but, why yeah, but who was – but people were not screaming for Mulan. Some were. No, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't no, the back oh, five years ago. Like I better see a live action Mulan. I'm just waiting for it. No, they weren't. I'm not saying a lot, but I know people within my family and friend sphere that they, when they heard it was thirty bucks that day, they were they they paid for it immediately. They were super stoked. There but they didn't know that Mulan is their favorite Disney Disney princess. That's cool. I don't care about that. I'm saying they probably didn't know the movie was coming until they saw the preview, and then they said then they wanted to see it. They weren't clamoring for this. No, I'm serious. It might not be you. It might not be me. It might not be a lot of people. But there are a few out there that, yes, they were all about Mulan from day one. Gotcha. No, from day one of what? Of hearing about it. Yeah. Like the very first first live action. And then... Oh no! And then they were going to see it no matter what. And when it switched to thirty, no, you're missing. You're missing my point. Um, there have been people in various genres of things, from Star Trek, Star Wars, that like are asking for films before anything is even talked about. Right? Nobody was asking for a live action Milan prior to finding out that it was going to happen. There wasn't a big troop of people saying, oh, we must have a Mulan live action. Like they're like they're like the troop out there now saying we need to see a solo too. There's nothing like that out there for that. Once they saw what was happening, I get it. They're into no, it. They want to see it. I would I would disagree. I wouldn't say the number is large, but the, the second they did that live action jungle book, I mean, I'm sure people started thinking and it did so well. There had to be people because, you know, then they do the live action uh, Lion King. And then live action Mulan. As soon as that live action jung- Jungle Book did well, uh, I guarantee you they were niche Mulan fans. That oh my god, maybe they'll make Mulan. Maybe. Not All right, I'm not t- I'm, I don't want to talk about Mulan anymore. All right, <laughs> <laughs> enough. Let's quickly get into our geek this week. For me, I've had nothing but the election anxiety. A week, so I've been watching and like an idiot. I've watched basically the same words for the past two days from all the shows. The same same words. All the states are, you know, and currently right now we don't we don't know who the president is going to be, and that's not the point of this podcast. But um, there's no news, and that's giving me anxiety. Yes, uh, that is also my geek this week. In fact, <laughs> uh, it prevented me from making advances on. The book we're going to be talking about here in a minute, Dune. I, uh, because of all the anxiety, I tried to get away with it, away from it. Uh, she and I did watch a few episodes of Shit's Creek, but that's not really geek level. It's, we just started watching it. It's funny. I'll, that's all I'll say about that. But I tried to take some time and read, and I just couldn't. My anxiety and my obsession. It's very hard. It's very hard to concentrate right now. Yeah, I had to buckle down yesterday to finally say, okay. We're doing a book club. I need to read my pages, which I did. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a great um, segue then. Let's, go, let's get right into it. So we are in week five, right? Yep. So that takes us to like f- page, what, 572 20. or something like that? 20. Um, this was a, a – so the story is ramping up, clearly. Yes. Yes. And it's really starting to have its 
action, although I don't, I still don't feel this, this is not an action book. This is a, this is an Arthurian thing. These, these are certain tests that um, Paul goes through, right? To become whatever he's going to become, um, which I think Correct. is pretty clear, but, but, and the latest, I mean, a lot's happened, but the latest is obviously the, the biggest, the, the test with um, Jameson. No. What's, how do you say his name? Jameis, I think. Says, Jameis, not Jameson. Jameson's a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I think his name is Jameis or Jameis or something like that. Jameis. Yeah. J-M-I-S. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was well, that was like the height of this hundred pages to me. I know that a yes. lot of things happen prior to that, but the, the, it all comes to a head in this this fight. Um, I could see this being, I feel like this is where the movie will end. The first half is, is because it actually has to, doesn't it? Maybe it doesn't. Well, it depends. Like I said, um, the battle that we saw with the Harkonnens attacking uh, mm-hmm. the Atreides, it's really kind of an afterthought in the book. So right. I know we're way past that, but I think I said last time that I think it makes sense to expand things there because yeah, we're just past 50% of the way through the book now. So book wise, yeah, this might be a good place to stop. I think so because a, this is where we get introduced to Cheney, right? And that's who Zendaya is playing. So it, ha- I mean, they're going to want her in, in episode one. <laughs> Cause she's going to bring people in there, you know? Right. She's a, she's so, a bull now. She's a draw. I get it. Right. So I think, you know, this is the time cause he, he, now in this hundred pages, we meet Cheney, um, See, really towards the end. Well, I'm just saying Cheney. I don't know if it's right or wrong. You're asking somebody who's we'll, never we'll find been out. in this world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's a lot of really cool characters in this hundred pages. I mean, I really dig um, uh, Stilgar. Yeah, I like him. He's good. He's good. So, um, so my take on this hundred pages is really starting to kick up. And and um, now, did we lose again? Did we lost? I, I never know if people actually die. Die. I, I'm I'm guessing so far. Like we haven't. No one said Duncan Idaho's body, but we we were led to believe that he's dead from the prior hundred pages, and we lost the planetarium guy. What's his name? Plan, the planetologist Kynes. Kynes, yeah, he was in the desert and basically was talking to his dad in a weird conversational thing. Um, and maybe you yeah. can shed some light on that. Like, there's some like air under the ground or something, and um spice and or carbon under the ground that's bubbling up and he's talking and you know it was a strange thing i didn't quite understand it so maybe you can help well, me with that so the harkonnens harkonnen however you want to say it harkonnens how i say it yeah uh they basically stranded him in the desert sent him on his way no right. still suit or anything no still suit right so he's gonna die quickly uh, which happens? He's, he's once he shows up again, we don't see much from him. Uh, just like you said, kind of in in a I don't say delusional, but yeah, like, like I think it's, it's delirious. He's delirious for sure. That's what I was looking for. Delirious. He's definitely delirious. Yeah. Obviously dehydrated. He's mm-hmm. uh, 
hallucinating, if not visually, at least auditorial uh, hallucinating. That's why he hears his father. And he's trying to basically just find some Fremen. Right. And then it's like you said, so far there are certain characters we do not know if they're dead. As far as we've heard, um, obviously we know the Duke's dead. Okay, we know right. that. Uh, we know that. We know the doctor's dead, but there are a couple characters that we have. We've heard they might be dead, but we haven't seen or you know or had that confirmed. So that leads me to believe that they. It's kind of like the, uh, the uh, cat, Schrodinger's cat. They exist. Right. In a, they either are alive and dead, depending right. until whether or not the author decides to bring them back. Both kinds. He's dead. He obviously is delirious, eventually collapses, and then gets blown up. Which I think in the yeah, a spice blow or something what they well, called it. I have some theories based on mm-hmm. what I know about the movie from the eighties. But I don't want to ruin anything for you if you don't know. So No, I don't know. Um he kept mentioning I, I, it was pre spice. Some kind of chemical reaction beneath the sand, right? Smell, and it was pre-spice, and it was about gases building up until a certain point where it couldn't be contained, and then boom, boom! Right, it got him, and that got him, and he died. We knew, we knew that. So, I think I'm I'm going to guess that this it, it might sound like a throwaway detail, but I'm thinking that pre-spice. That's foreshadowing to something we're going to see that we haven't seen yet. I'm sure, right? Yeah, I caught that too. I was like, well, is that where they're mining or could that be money or could it be whatever? Right. Has what to is be. the pre-spice? Right. Now, the interesting thing is, is Cheney is his daughter, is her daughter, his his daughter, sorry. Yes. Um, so that's a, a, you know, a very, this is very, you know, <clears throat> Again, Arthurian and or you know Game of Thrones type thing. So it's it's really it's a really take on on kingdoms. It's really interesting. Um, well, so here's my question though: mm-hmm. Kynes is the you know the royal planetologist. He works mm-hmm. for the Empire. They reference that his father was the planetologist on Arrakis before him. Mm-hmm. He has the bluer than blue eyes because he's obviously been there his whole life. Right. He's definitely very, very friendly with the Fremen. My question is, is he actually well, he's, he, um He's just a revered figure among Fremen, according to Wikipedia. Yes. And I, well, I get why now, and I think we understand why. So I don't think, he, he, I don't think he's a native. He's well, a native in the sense that his father was probably there and maybe he was born there, but I don't think he's a native as in – no different than, you know, I'm a native. ethnically a Fremen, you mean? Is that kind of what you're Correct. saying? Correct. Okay, I can see that. I think we get a hint as to why he's revered that comes right at the end of the section we were supposed to read. Right. When they make reference to all, basically, the water stills. Right, they when they were – right, and then when they were doing the ceremony for the – for James, James, James. Yes, yes. But then also when they go underground briefly, and <clears throat> you see these, you know, massive tanks of water, basically. Right. 
that Stilgar notes there are a thousand of them, thousands of them. Well, if you remember earlier in the book, Kynes was very hesitant to say, is there water? You know, but he knew there was, and Jessica knew he was lying, and Paul knew he was lying, or wasn't telling uh, Leto everything. Right. So, and on top and this of that, is, yeah, it was revealed here. Yeah, right, right. And on top of that, earlier in this section, it's revealed that uh, Stilgar and his group, the reason they're out is because they were getting spice off to the smugglers mm-hmm. to sell for the guild because they keep satellites off Arrakis on purpose because they don't want people seeing what they're doing. Right. So there's a whole thing going on. There's a smugglers thing happening. Yes. Cloak and dagger, a lot of subterfuge. But uh, So, go ahead. Uh, so let's go back to this Jameis character. Yep. I have to admit, I didn't think they were going to kill him off. Oh, well, you know what? I did. Um, when you put, this was the test. This was, a, as soon as they, you know, when they were fighting over, like Jessica wanted to fight her, you know, um, she, basically Paul is fighting for her, like an old English he duel, right? Her champion, yes. Right. So when he, I guess I didn't know right away, but when they said they were going to fight, I'm like, okay, well, I know, again, because of everything that's going to happen, this is how the hero's journey is. Paul's not going to die here. No. We no. know that. We know that, right? And um, they kind of set it up as a, a, a duel, but, you you know, it wasn't until uh, Jameis said something like, you know, he doesn't know our ways. We don't yield kind of thing. And then after that, you're like, okay, well, he's going to die. That's easy. But even then, <clears throat> I still thought there was going to be some way that, like, Paul was going to, you know, subdue him and put a knife to his throat and then claim, you know, listen, say something about being merciful or something. But no, it went full on brutal. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, and it's a, it's a major thing for Jessica, too. Like, so this is Paul's first kill. Um, and she was worried that, you know, he's going to like it, right. which it, it feels like he does not, or at least he, he shows remorse. In fact, he teared up at the ceremony, which everybody freaked out. Like, oh my God, he's giving moisture to the dead. Um, so that was kind of cool. I mean, it, it was, was cool. Really cool because it's like Jessica says, how, how restrained do you have to be, you know? in your emotions to never cry. Right. Cause it's, it's, it's losing your moisture. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's their currency, right? It's right. their life. So, um, that, yeah. that really kind of amazed me because everyone cries, right? It's a natural. If you're uh, human. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, but it's a natural human response and it mm-hmm. does have cathartic effects. So to stunt yourself from that emotional release, well, I yeah, get why, but, I think, but I get why. Think of, think of this though: the Fremen they didn't start there last week on the planet. Oh yeah, they've been there for generations, right? So they it, it's it's just taught. It's it's not even a thing. It's like you know, Spock doesn't cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no different than that kind of thing. 
Um, well, I get it. I mean, yeah. what this this book apparently takes place what in the year thirty thousand something. So I get it. Yeah. They've probably been there a while, a long, long time. It's just right. It's crazy. So an, another thing about Paul that's interesting is that you know he he has these visions. And he's trying not to have some of them play out, right? Like he does not want to be bad or this, he sees these visions of him as an emperor or a ruler. And he's trying not to let certain things happen. So um, what I really liked was when they were naming him, what name do you want? And again, we already knew that because we saw the premonition, right? From the prior pages, the Muad'Dib. Uh, name, but he asked, you know, yeah, when he, when he, when the Fremen asked him what he wanted to be, and he said, What's your little mouse? And it ended up being a Muad'Dib, but he said, No, I don't want to be just Muad'Dib, I want to be Paul Muad'Dib. His way of altering his vision, so to speak, because you know, he wanted, he knew he was an Atreides and he wanted to make sure. Um, he kept that name, so I thought that was a really cool. He's, he's trying, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of, there's so many things happening with this. Um, even one of the discussions, and I know I'm jumping around and I apologize because when I talk into something and I remember earlier stuff from the book. So, um, you know, these visions, it's, uh, so I'm going to go back to maybe where George Lucas got a little bit of the force from, maybe not necessarily from this book, but um, because this book is pulling from religion in, as well. So it's not like um, Herbert came up with this stuff. Uh, but Paul um, was having, oh, I can't remember who he was having the conversation with, but um, basically about what water was and life and everything. And then life begets, like maybe it was the kinds thing with his dad. That's what it was. The kinds talk with, with you know, in the desert. And it was really force-like, you know, he goes, oh, when there's life, begets more life and it decays and it's all in us and it goes around us. And it's like, oh, that was very much like the force. I can't remember the exact words, but. Um, right. I get where you're going that. from. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this other than, um, Paul's visions and then this whole force life thing, um, and him trying to alter that, uh, is interesting to me. That's, that's kind of the, you know, a link for me that I'm, I'm latching onto in this book. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, there's a lot of hints of Star Wars here, not only with the water and the force and, you know, the voice and all that, but obviously this, you know, the hero story, stuff like that. There, there are lots of hints of Star Wars. I mean, it's a desert planet too. You know, the Messiah comes from a desert planet. Well, yeah. Star Wars has that. I think we're going to talk about that in Mandalorian too. We will get to Because it's a very, well, it's very, there's uh, um, some... Some things in there that remind me of Dune. I want. There was one more thing I want to mention about Dune, and I, I now it slipped in my mind, and I'm a little bummed. Sorry, that's oh, okay. I had on the tip of my tongue about what I wanted to bring up, and then I think I've just lost it all. But was it Paul um, related? Oh, oh, that was it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, so yes, he decides he wants to be called Paul Moadib, mm-hmm. um, and we. So here's something I thought was interesting. Again, I saw the movie in the 80s and remember bits and pieces of it. So here in the... And I'm not going to ruin anything for you because now we've got his name. Right. Well, we knew it a little bit last time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in here, the revelation is that 
he wanted to know what the mice were named, the desert mice. Right, right. And it is cool that, um, you know, the Fremen, they're impressed with him because, you know, what do they call them? They, they call the mice are basically... Os- Osu or Usu or something like that because of like the pillar, the beginning of the pillar. Well, yeah, that's, that's what the Usul nickname. Is. That's the secret name. The, he has the string. That, that's what they gave him. him. Right. Yeah, that's Usul. Wadib is the mice. And they also Correct. call the mice like the, the trainer of children or something like that because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about how, you know, the, the mice kind of teach you the ways of the desert. Yeah, they're smart. Right. Yeah. So they're impressed with him for picking this because he's picked a creature. That to them is an honorable creature that they revere because of its ability to live in the desert. Yeah, it, it goes at night, stuff. it multiplies, it does yes. all these things. I remember that. <clears throat> yeah. What's interesting is I want to say, and I'd have to go back and see it, the 80s Dune movie, that is not where the term Muad'Dib comes from. I believe, oh, they changed it? Yeah, I believe they gave the term Muad'Dib to the moon. The second moon of Arrakis, which it That's fits lame. as well. Well, I can see how it fits. I mean, it's 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 got some like you know indigenous people type ideas about it, and obviously there's a lot of the Fremen uh, seem to be very similar in some way in regards to some of the nomadic desert tribes like the Bedouin here and you know on Earth and all that. Right. So I can see how they did that. But I, so for me, it was a revelation just because I was like, that is not how it was in the movie. That is quite a drastic change, but I, I like this. I like that it's different and it makes, I, I like the reasoning behind it because of the resilience of the mice and whatnot. I just thought that was really cool. So in the movie, Maudib is the moon here. It's the mice. It was a nice surprise for me. Good, good. And I think it's a better, it fits his character, I think. I agree. I agree. So, so anyways, it's, it's going in a great direction. It's moving, it's clipping along now. Um, I find it interesting that Cheney is, I don't know, already attached to him in a weird way. It just felt a little odd. At least I didn't get, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll, I'll read them, but we'll see what happens next. I'm sure they're going to get closer. Yeah, there are some parts in this book where it's a little bit too obvious. I mean, right? Like as soon as they're anywhere near each other, it, it comes on a little thick. They're like, all right, these two are going to be together. It's obvious. Well, and the thing is too is where this particular end is, uh, and we'll leave it at that because it's a good place to end. Um, the last. I don't know if it's the last couple pages, but I, I just remember there being something where he says, um, my, my, my mother doesn't know it yet, but Jessica is my enemy. I, something like that. It's like the last page. Yes, it's um, in the last couple sentences, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty she chilling. She me and she's my enemy. Yeah, yeah, and that's where you leave like, whoa. So he sees a, he sees a power struggle, clearly, coming and that's yeah. pretty scary because she's been looking out for him and you don't see that. But um, now is she going to be with Stilgar? Looks like it. I mean, if you're going to. Um, I don't think so. Okay. It feels like it from, from you know. No, because Stilgar basically comes out and says, I mean, paraphrasing here, but he's basically like, 
you are hot and I could totally make you one of my women. But instead, and they made reference to this, mm-hmm. Stilgar was a good leader because he chose for the tribe instead of for himself. And though he basically says, you're hot and I'd love to get with you. I'm not going to do that because we need a new reverend mother and you're going to be it. And that's more beneficial to the tribe. For now. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that for now. Well, this is my opinion. You you know the stories. You're probably right, but I'm, I just think it's going to go. Okay. I, I, I don't remember a good place. the story completely, so I, I don't know. You could be right, but I just think that was a very deep and powerful yeah. character, character trait for yeah. Stilgar, noting that he always puts the tribe first. Cool. And I think it's a good place to end that. I mean, and that we're, we're almost the chapter ended and that was uh, not chapter, but section um, it's a chapter. Of, of, of Jessica being, well, I mean, the section that we read for this time was more right, right, right. chapter. Um, ending it on uh, my enemy is a really good place to have a cliffhanger. So, okay. It's time. Last week I was doing a almost an hour update on uh, when we can watch it. Um, so here we go, Mandalorian season two, episode one. It feels like it's been two years ago <laughs> since I watched it because <laughs> I feel like everything's gone on in a weird way since then. Um, but I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I really really enjoy this episode. Um, on a couple of levels. Um, yes, it's going to be spoilers. I'm going to tell you that now. I mean, you should, if anybody who watches, you know, episode two is out, I'm, I'm assuming you've all seen this. Um, from the second I saw the title, the Marshall, I knew oh. where it was going. Hmm? Yeah. Same here. Same here. Um, only because of the aftermath book and, you know, I'm so happy that they brought that character. So anyways, um, for me, I uh, first take, um, it's not a review. Again, it's just, just talking about the show. Um, really, really like this episode. I, I thought, you know, you know, A was not because John Favreau um, directed it and wrote it, but I just think it was well done and it was longer. It was 44 minutes. It was a really good season opener, I think. It's, set the, it's setting the table. You know, he's on the journey. And he's going to have these side quests. Things are going to happen in each place. You know, it's almost eight, not 18, but you know, these kind of stories like Knight Rider or whatever the hell, <clears throat> the incredible Hulk, you know, the old show from the seventies, he'd go to a different town and help people out. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, but now I, I will say this is, this is, there is fan service in this episode, no doubt about it, but everything that is fan service serves the story forward. It's not just thrown in there. I mean, there's a lot of Easter eggs and things like that that, w- that we're going to talk about. But overall, I thought the story was really, really good. Really good for this episode. How about you? Agreed. Um, as you know, I haven't read the Aftermath books. Mm-hmm. But I've talked to you enough about it, you know, offline and on this podcast, where as soon as I saw the title as well, I knew it. Not because I read the books, but because what we've talked about. And then I knew... This was going to, I don't remember his name. I'm sure you do, but Tom Vance. Yeah, him. I knew he was going to be in it, and I knew we were going to see Vader's armor. Not Vader's. Vader? I knew we were going (laughs) to see Boba Fett's armor. Sorry. Right, right. Yeah, when they said the Marshal, I'm like, sweet. 
I really liked it. I, I thought it was fantastic. It's like you said, there's fan service, but like I said, um, well, like I said, is it fan service? I, I don't know. There's, there's always that thin line. And I think that the Mandalorian, uh, for my preferences, rides that line better than others, other right. Star Wars shows and movies and stuff, or I should say other films there. There's fan service where you're like, oh, God, of course they went there. And then there's fan service. like, all right. And I think the fan service works better when it's not so in your face. But right. Instead, uh, enriches what we know already and pays right. attention to the continuity. For example, when the Tuscan Raiders rode into town. Mm-hmm. You saw single the file to hide their numbers. <laughs> yes. Right. Because any any child of the 80s is going to know these Bantha tracks are next to each other, but the Tuscan Raiders, they ride single file to hide their numbers. So you better get that right. And they did. They did. It seems like a minor thing, but as soon as I saw them riding into town, I turned to Shaley. I said, you see that? And she's like, what? <laughs> of course. File. She's like, Okay. <laughs> and then I quoted the Star Wars like I just did. So, right, it's things like that. But you know what? So, but in Star Wars itself, I'm not going to make this all about the Tuscan Raiders. But in the movie itself, you know, it was made in the 70s, right? There's no question about that, right? Um, but you know, it 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 kind of took an older, you know. 40s, 50s Hollywood trope about the savage, right? The Tuscan Raiders were just savages. Kind of inhuman. You know, I know they're not human, but you know, dehumanize them in many ways. Um, well, even An- even Anakin said that in the episode too. They're animals. And I killed them. All of them. And they're killed. Exactly. <laughs> now we see I like what they did with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because we, we see them a little bit in season one where we find out that they, you know, that he knows their sign language. Right, but then, barters. Yes, but then in this one, we we even more, we even find out even more about them. So, for me, it's fan service, but it, it enriches everything. It you know, it gives you the background and things. I mean, there are certain things, certain characters and stuff. I don't need to know their background because it demystifies them, right? But things like the Tuscan Raiders, it enriches. I mean, that's my take on it. Absolutely. I think it brought them into a different level. They communicate. He communicates with them. They want to live a life and we don't know what's underneath them. We, they could still be human. You know, those are just breathing things with their helmets. I mean, they're not, you know, we don't know what they look like underneath, just like Jawas. I have no idea what they look like either. Um, but man, there's just, uh, so yeah, there's so many, so talking about the, some of the callbacks, I mean, obviously the whole idea, it's a, it, this is a Western, this is a pure Western episode. Guy rides into town looking for another, you know, someone to look at. He sees this guy come in and I loved how they did it. It was no like, um, this, this is what makes Favreau really interesting. They could have done so many ways of like running into Boba Fett, right. Um, in terms of the, the armor. And I just like to say like, um, what, what, what does he look like? Well, he looks like me. He goes, Oh, you mean the sheriff? And then he says, he goes, well, he's right there. <laughs> he's turned around and there he is. You know, that was an awesome, um, kind of reveal. Uh, he's right back in there and, and clearly it's not the, it's not Boba Fett. And they wanted you to know that they wanted him to look a little dumb 
in the outfit, right? Super tall, gangly, doesn't fit him right. Right. Um, that was all by, that, that's not an accident. No. You know, that's, that's very purposeful. Um, so, you know, and when you see it and he puts that helmet down and, you know, Mando was like, whoa, he took his helmet right off. And, he, you know, now we, now we know, you know, we got to, he's got to take that armor back. Right. So yep. it's really cool. It was just a really good episode all the way through. And I, I love the idea of the crate dragon. And as soon as you heard the dragon come and you hear that noise, you go right back. Cause they use almost the same sounds as Obi-Wan did in the desert that screams to get the sand people away. Yep. He, uh, now it's been altered over time, but they made, you know, the, there's like two or three different crate dragon screams that Obi-Wan does through the special editions and changes and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I think they use all three of them somewhere out throughout this episode um, as a Easter egg. But at the end of the day, when I heard that sound, I'm like, oh shit, that's great. The crate dragon, like, you know, all these things come flooding back and it's not anything new. Like in episode three in New Hope, I mean, 3PO and R2 walk uh, in the desert, you see a skeleton of the great dragon. So this isn't like, you know, new stories. This is, this is life on Tatooine. Now, that being said, this is where a lot of Dune influences come in, right? So um, you've got the sand, you've got this worm. It's not really a worm, but it's a great dragon. It didn't have any, didn't have any feet uh, right. as far as I can tell. It was like a snake. So um, I just loved, it. I, I thought the episode was great. I loved how they did the Western. I love how they brought that kind of great dragon in. Um, and that became the story. Like these two people are going to help these two tribes of people are going to help each other survive. And there was hope, right? And that's what this show is about. That's what Star Wars is about, that they brought hope to this just small little area. And it's peace if you want it. One of you, if you break it, we'll go right back at it. But there's peace out here if you want it. Yeah, it's a new hope, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So, um, I just love this episode. It was really, it was so good. And so many Easter eggs, like, you know, you got to see a, a pod racing engine that, that uh, Cobb Vanth rode. That was cool. Now, um, you, did you say it was Anakin's, did you think? I didn't care. I, I didn't think so. It's just, there's a lot of pod racing engines out there. True. I 100% agree I mean, I, I think if yeah. if it really if it actually was Anakin's, I think that's a little bit too on the nose, right? But I, the fact that it's just a pod racing engine turned into a bike, a speeder bike, that was I awesome. Loved it. I loved it. That was so cool. Um, now, for those that may not know, so they 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 killed this crate dragon in a really cool way. Like you got to see, oh. Well, I'm, everything's firing now that I, um, and it's been like four or five days since I've seen this. So I got to try and remember. Um, we got to see the Boba Fett action figure shoot his rocket <laughs> twice. I know, right? And now if you look at now, it, it is no accident that like, if you go shot for shot from like the first time you see Cobb Vanth, you know, shoot that rocket and it goes way out to the guys that got away and it blows them up. If you put that side by side with Iron Man, when he left the um, cave, and he shot the rocket and walked back towards you and then blew it almost the same shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which Favreau um, did on, there, man. So it right. Sense. It's on purpose. It, yeah. It's on purpose. It's not an accident. Yeah. Um, but we got to see him shoot his rocket. Um, 
we got to see the goofy little thing where like Mando noticed his jetpack was odd. So he hit it and he knocked him, you know, flew him away. Cause I'll take care of this, take care of the child. And he hits him and he flies away like Han did to, to Boba Fett and just kind of took off. Um, that was funny. Nice callback. Uh, so they kill the crate dragon. They get, you know, he took even the Mando's like a big chunk of beef with them or whatever the hell he took with them. Um, but they got a pearl. Does that, that mean anything to you? So they got a pearl. Now in, in lore of Star Wars and, and things like that, the pearl can be used. There's like, somehow it's like a kyber crystal in there, in that pearl. And it, and they say it can, uh, it's stronger than an actual kyber crystal. So it, it could be used in a dark saber, so to speak, and things like that. See, I did not know that. I assumed it was an egg. No, it's a pearl. It's a pearl. It's not an egg. See, because I don't read all the other Star or Star Wars stuff, uh, that was news to me. I did not know that. I thought it was weird that it was so spherical. I was like, it's not even egg shaped, but I, I guess that's an egg. Is yeah, nope. Egg? It's yeah, it's a pearl. It's the crate dragon pearl. I did not know that existed. Yep. So there you go. So there's something that may happen with that in the future. Well, yeah, they wouldn't throw that in there. So what you're saying is you cut that pearl open, the inside of it is like a kyber crystal, but stronger yet. And from that, yeah. you could make a dark saber. Correct. This is interesting. Okay. I did not know that. And now that has upped my appreciation of the episode because I did not know any of that. Yeah. So there may be... You know, Tatooine may figure in this a little more later on, which I think it will, obviously, because um, uh, before we get to the end, I'm going to go back to the beginning really quick. I, we didn't say what town, when he first goes to that boxing thing and John Leguizamo played the guy with the one eye. Um, that was John Leguizamo, right? Yeah, it was him. Okay. Um, he was awesome. I thought, that, was that a little fall? Do you know what Lothal is? That's where, if you saw any kind of rebels, Lothal is a big deal because they had all the graffiti and all that kind of stuff there. Um, I only watched the first season. Was Lothal in, Lothal in the first season? Well, they first see him in Lothal, yeah. Okay. When they find, yeah. that's where they, you really got to catch up with that. Anyways, I thought that might be Lothal. I wasn't sure. Maybe any, some of our listeners can uh, fill me in on that one. But okay, so now. They kill the Kray Dragon. Everybody's happy. Mando gets the Mandalorian armor. He goes away. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happened in this episode. If you really watch this episode, the aspect ratio changes to almost more cinematic. If you, I don't know if you recall that, but if you're watching it again, pay attention to the letterbox. It gets even more cinematic. It lowers and becomes more widescreen. And when it does that, and you see you know, Mando take off, and all of a sudden you see... Uh, Tamara Morrison turn around and oh, everybody, yeah. lo- everybody lost their shit that I knew was like, Holy cow. I got, I got Michael. I got seven texts that night from people. <laughs> is I that, is that Boba Fett? It. I had to rewind it. Did you? Because, well, I'm like, so there's an old kind of Asian almost looking bald guy. Who is that? And then, you know, I always watch the credits afterward because they show the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. they did for the episode. 
And they're also throwing up the names of the actors. And so I saw John Leguizamo, and I actually rewound and watched his scenes again because I'm like, that is John. And then they said, Tamora Morrison. I'm like, Tamora Morrison? When did we see him? I was like, wait a sec. Rewound. You didn't notice it right when he turned around? You better get a better screen television, my friend. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. He is 60 now, 60-something, and bald. He looks a lot older, and he's bald. He does not look like he did 20-some-odd years ago. So, No, but he looked like he did from Aquaman a couple years ago. No, he was he had hair in Aquaman too. I know. I'm just saying they obviously made him look a lot more weathered. Well, yeah, he got and, out of the Starlight Pit. Well, I understand that, but so I, at first I was like, "Wait, who was that?" I was like, "Was that?" And I thought, "Is that Boba?" I didn't understand, but then once I saw it was Tamara Morrison, I rewound immediately and then looked really close. I'm like, "Holy shit!" Fucking yeah, huge. Huge, right? So we know that's going to that's gonna that's come back. I mean, he's not going to just... I mean, they didn't come out and say it. We don't it's, know for certain. It's Boba Fett. It could be a clone. We have to leave that possibility open until confirmed. Well, he is a clone. Boba Fett is a clone. He could be another clone. He may not be Boba Fett. He's listed in IMDb as Boba Fett and everywhere else. So, Well, that that is uh, not canon. He does not verbatim. That's pretty darn good, though. Um, Don't get me wrong. I think he's Boba Fett, but there is so, still the possibility he could be some other random clone. He's not. So my thing to you is, <laughs> my thing to you is okay. It, because the reason I went back to the beginning of the episode. Now he told Mando, John Leguizamo's character, that there's another Mandalorian on Tatooine. Now, the big question is. Was he referring to Cobb Vanth or actually Boba Fett? Oh. Because he wasn't wrong. Even though he still died by the hand of some creatures or something. But uh, So I'm curious. Very curious to that. I have to go back and watch because did he actually, he said Tatooine, but did he also name the city? Because Boba Fett was not. Yeah, he, he, said, he, he said um. Most, Most Palgro, whatever it was, Palgro or something like that. Yeah. He said it very quickly. Yeah, but. so Boba Fett's not living there. Well, he had like Sand Crete, Sand Tuscan Raider guns and stuff on him. Um, now, could this mean that um, Fennec Shen is coming back too? Because he, I think he's the one who actually found her, not Cobb Vance. The um, what's her name from last last season when they were on Tatooine? Oh, 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 uh, oh yeah, Fennec. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Ming Na. Ming Na when? Yeah. So, you, you that's where everybody thought, oh, it was Boba Fett because he came in. And all you saw were feet. Yeah, you saw it was his boot. Right, but we don't know now. Everybody's now. Do you? Th- I think it was actually Boba Fett, not Cobb Vanth, that found her. So somewhere between there and here, he lost his armor. He didn't have armor. He just showed his boot. Isn't the boot part of the armor? Mm -mm. Not not this part. And if you look at what Cobb Vanth had, all he had was the chest plate, arms, and helmet. He didn't have anything on his legs. I need to go back and watch now. 
unless you were yeah. getting the check. Um, I paid attention. I watched it a few times, but I, I didn't see, he didn't have, from what I remember, because I was looking at that. I will watch again. I am curious now. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, he is Boba Fett, the real one, is going to go with Fennec to go find the Mandalorian. By that, I mean Din Djarin, because she knows who that is. Right. Right. So that's my bet. You might bet. be onto something, Joe. You might be onto something. That's my bet. So you're going to see them probably not the next episode, but maybe two episodes or so later where they catch up to him. And now why Boba Fett didn't go into the town and get his armor for himself, That's that's got to be explained, I think, if he really yeah. wanted it. Or was he hiding there? Or what? You know, what's the whole deal? Um, why did it take so long? Or did he just get there at the same time in some weird thing? Um, but it seems to me that... Uh, you know, we don't know who saved. We don't know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Now there's comics and things where like Dengar is the one who found him. Um, there's, there's other stories where in uh, legends that Boba Fett basically um, his jetpack kind of went off and blew up inside in, in the Sarlacc and he was out that way and got, that's how he got burned and scarred and all this thing. Now that could be the, um, we know that the best car can withstand the acid of a creek dragon, so it's pretty strong. Maybe that's how he got through that Sarlacc pit. Well, hold on. We don't know that his armor was best car. Well, we think so because he's a Mandalorian. I'll, I'll, I'll give that. So be, yeah, well, but, yes, we do because yes, we do. We know it's best car because Cobb Vanth got shot and it just glanced off him. It could be, but we don't know. Well, it could be best car, but. You know, when the Mandalorian started out, you know, that uh, Jin Jaren, um, his his armor was not all Beskar. He, he ended up that way at the end. Well, no, no, no. He had Beskar, but it was wearing down. If you watch that episode again, it goes, my Beskar is worn. I need to get new. Okay. So yeah. all Mandalorian armor, armor is Beskar? I think that's part of it. Yeah, that's why you don't get rid of it. That's why you don't take it off. That's why it's yours. It's that valuable, right? Okay. Because I know that when the the Empire went in, that Beskar, those those blocks of Beskar, those are from Mandalorian armor armor that when the Empire took over and took all their Beskar and melted it down for currency. So anyway, looks like there's probably Boba Fett showing up at the end. I mean, everything seems to point to that. Agreed, like I said, well, not agreed. You, you say 100% it's Boba Fett. It still could be a clone, but we're seeing nope. a lot of Mandalorian armor. It's most likely Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett, and like I said, I think he's going to hook up with uh, Fennec Shen and go after his armor. Why? I don't know. That's a, that'll be the story for the next day. Um, but I think, you know, I, I guess the only thing that I missed in this episode, if I were to pick one thing, is I missed Baby Yoda. He didn't really have anything to do with the episode other than just sidekick, other than his ears flapping in the wind on the speeder bike. Um, it was cute, yes, but you're right. He really didn't have much to do. So I hope they get into him a little more, and I just don't, don't, don't just have him as a sidekick child running around. Like I want to see his character grow a little bit. I'm good with that, but then again, the show is called The Mandalorian, right? But here we go. But I get you. So, I'm, I'm right there with you. So in a few hours, uh, Mandalorian season two will be up for streaming and might just be the antidote I need for my 
non-sleeping nights and my anxiety. And hopefully this time next week, um, things will be much more clearer of what's going to happen in the world. And we'll know what's going on in the world of Mandalorian. And obviously we have another section of Dune. Um, so hopefully everybody will keep up with that. Huh? So. Yeah. So we just finished through page 520. Uh, this is our fifth week, so our fifth section. I apologize. I don't think I put up the discussion questions for section four. I'll get on top of that in the quotes. I'll do the same for section five. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, they'll be open for discussion. And like I said, uh, keep reading. I think we got a lighter week coming up uh, soon. Uh, I think I think our next week is only 60 pages, I think. Is that it? Or is that the week after? Well, I don't know. I just kind of go. Hold up here. I'm looking <laughs> at my schedule right now. So we finished on page 520 this week. Mm-hmm. So this is our short week. Um, we start on page 521 this week, and we end at page 587. So if you haven't been able to hang on, or you know, keep up with us. This one should be a little bit, a little bit of a breather. It's about sixty-six pages, so about about sixty percent of what we usually read in the week. So now's right. your time to catch up. Right. Cool. Um, thanks everybody for listening. If it's your first time, welcome to the show. I guess we're at the end, but welcome. Um, if you're our regular listeners, thank you so much for listening to us and, and talking to us and reaching out and. Um, you know, a few of you have asked me about my son and I, man, I can't tell you what that means. It, it's amazing. You guys uh, are out there. So thank you very much for listening. If you really want to help us um, tell a friend, tell a friend through your own ways of whatever, tell them you can find us in various podcasting apps from iTunes and all those. I'm not even going to list them this time, but you can find us in most of them except for Amazon yet. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, but if you want to reach out and kind of talk to us about uh, the, the book or even the Mandalorian, um, you know, hit us up on social media and Michael will tell you all about that. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Cabercast. That's where we're doing most of the discussion of the book. And I know we've already run long, but a shout out to Joe here, my compatriot and co-host, something we didn't note. Last year, at this date, yesterday, we hit a thousand listens. All right. One year ago. Just Last Monday, we were up to how many listens, Joe? Uh, over 5,000. So, that's a lot of more listens over the past year. 4,000 more listens in our yep. second year as we were first. So, that thanks goes out to everyone that listens. We appreciate it. I'll shut up about that, but I just wanted to say 5,000 listens. We're not the biggest podcast, but... No. Hey, we're four times better than last year. That's true. No, it's great. Um it still amazes me that anybody listens to this nonsense, but uh, uh, it's so appreciated. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you know, we, we, str- we, we strive to be at least the best local one. <laughs> Maybe we're the only one. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we, we care about what we do and um, we like doing this. And certainly it's not for money or glory or anything like that. We're just uh, something we like to do. And I certainly enjoy it. And I love working with Michael and it's, um, it's a blast. So we're going to keep doing this. We hope you join us uh, next week for Mandalorian episode two and catching up with the Dune and, um, and Star Trek. And, oh yeah. I got to catch up with Star Trek too. Whew. And it's a lot, it's a lot. So time to be yeah, it is. So we'll, uh, we'll end it and we'll end it. Uh, and Michael brought this up last week. Maybe we'll end it this way from now on. We'll, 
this is the way. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.